0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We have been in a series for over a month now about disciples, because we have come to find out that not everybody that wears the title of Christian, even if you got the name badge, that doesn't mean you're a disciple. You know, and I, I, I'm I just reviewing a little bit here. You've been hearing it for five weeks already. But, but listen to me. Jesus didn't tell us to just go out and make more converts out of all nations in Matthew 28. He said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. So listen to me. We have been on a journey for five weeks already about becoming disciples and stepping it up a notch, not just being somebody that, hey, I'm cool with God. Me and Yeah, I believe. I believe. Listen, that's good. And yeah, you need to believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And yeah, you're saved. You are going to heaven at that point. But I believe that you're called to so much more than that. There's better things for you. There's more that God could use you to do in this earth for him if you would be a little more committed, if we would step it up a notch and say, I don't just want a a ticket to heaven. I mean, that's great. That's number one. But I want to do something. I want to make my life count. I want to be something for Jesus. Amen. And so, man, we've had we've had a a spiritual personal training program going on. We've got 21 people that have that are that are, I mean, hardcore every day uh, being personally trained to be disciples. And in the month of November, hey, I'm going to do you another solid. I'm gonna do you another favor here. Listen, in the month of November, we're gonna start a Sunday morning brief class from 9 to 9:30. And you're like, Sunday school? No, Sunday school rock. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be the most fun, the most, uh, the most informative, the best. Sunday school type of class you've ever been to, you have my personal word. It will not be boring. If it's boring, I'll quit and I'll walk out because I've got better things to do than bore you on a Sunday morning. Amen. And so listen to me. Uh, I'm going to have a sign up sheet at the end of class. Just if you're interested, this is for anybody, but we're going to. Go through spiritual foundations, elementary level truths, the very basics of what it means to be a Christian and what it means for you to to be in the body of Christ. And so I promise you, if you if you go to that class, hey, it doesn't matter. Hey, you're not going to hurt me if you don't. But if you want to go, I promise you it will be worth your time because we have got this crazy desire around here to make disciples because disciples, they're the ones that go out and preach the gospel into all the world converts. They don't care. Look, Luke, no lukewarm Christian has ever witnessed to me. No carnal half-baked don't really care. Christian has ever came up and done anything for me, but I've had disciples of Jesus come in my lowest moments and say, man, I am here for you right now. I, what can I do for you? Jesus is not going to fail you. I've had disciples do that. Carnal Christians, converts, they don't care. They're not gonna do that stuff. And so I'm challenging you that if you want to take it a step further, especially if you've gone through the discipleship program, you ought to come to this class, man. We're gonna rock your socks off. We'll put them back on by the end, but, but we're gonna, we're gonna rock your socks off. Amen. And so if you need an outline for this sermon today, raise your hand. The ushers are gonna give you one. And we're gonna kind of, uh, kind of bring everything to a head here regarding our disciple, uh, series. And today we're gonna to be talking about prayer. Now. A book that I recommend out of the bookstore there is it's called Processing the Plan of God Through Prayer. A lot of you have this book, uh, but I, I promise you this book is well worth uh, the investment of a couple of bucks to learn how you can be a, a stronger person of prayer. Now, let me remind you that at the beginning of 2018, we established that this year our theme and our our goal for the year was to become a church. Of prayer. Does anybody remember that? Okay, I mean, it's not that long ago, but listen to me. We, we, we knew that God was calling us to step it up a level in our prayer walk. And so just for a reminder, our, our theme verse for this year, I don't think I put this up there, but Isaiah 56, 7. I want to repeat this to you, uh, in case uh, you forgot what the verse of the year is for High Desert Word Center. It says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. So should prayer be a time of, yes, Lord, we we thank thee for thy bounty, Lord. We thank thee. He said he'll make you joyful in his house of prayer, man. Come on. You should be joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And then Jesus repeated this same thing in the New Testament. And so he said, my house, my church, it should be a house of prayer for all nations. And so no doubt about it, a disciple, somebody that wants to be committed to Jesus, they're going to be somebody that's committed to prayer also. And I'm going to break this down. There's some things that I've I've discussed earlier in the year that I'm going to discuss again today as a reminder, but also because. A disciple is a person that prays. So let's let's dig into this for a few minutes. And and I promise you're going to get some stuff out of it if you'll hook up. Listen, I've said it before. But but have you ever gone to the have you ever been to a buffet or something and left hungry? Whose fault is that? That's your fault. If you leave the buffet hungry, that's your fault, man. The meal was there. A hundred other people left full and happy. But you left and you weren't full. Well, that place just doesn't feed me. Listen, that's hey, no. We're getting testimonies every week about how people's lives are being changed and fed. So if you leave, well, I just uh, listen. I'm I'm willing to accept the blame if I did a bad job. But sometimes, maybe you just it's your fault that you didn't get fed because you didn't sit up to the table and eat like everybody else did that day. And so, hey, if I do a bad job today, that's fine. But listen to me, don't leave hungry. We're gonna just dish it out there. Pull yourself up to the table. Be like I do at a buffet. I get two drinks so I don't have to waste time getting another one. Amen. True story. On one of Katie and I's. We were just dating. okay? and you got to establish some ground rules early in the relationship, people. And so we were at a we were at a China buffet in Mooresville, Indiana, and I'm walking back to the table with two drinks and she has this look on her face. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she thinks one of these is for her. Oh, no. (laughs) And so I get there that she's like, oh, that is so sweet. You even know what I want. And the thoughts racing through my mind. Do I lie or do I just do I set it straight right now? Because we're going to be in this for a long time. I said, honey, I I I got to tell you right now. I'm going to be honest. At buffets, I get myself two drinks because they give you the small cups and I can't waste time. I got to get as much in as I can and get my money's worth. And so I'm sorry. These are both mine. And then she married me a year later. (laughs) So. Amen. Amen. The truth will set you free. It's been 14 years of heaven on earth. So I'm telling you right now, man, if you want to impress your woman, get yourself two drinks at the buffet. Amen. All right. Let's talk about prayer because that's getting us nowhere right there. Let's talk about prayer. And the first thing we're going to say is this. We're talking about being a disciple, not being a convert, not somebody that just, you know, hey, I I pray when I need something. Listen, number one is this, is that most Christians don't take prayer seriously. They got quiet here fast. Wow. Wow can laugh about the buffet, but you can't listen to me. Listen, most Christians, they honestly, honestly, I'm not making this up. They don't take prayer seriously. Now, I believe that most of us do pray at some point, especially when we need something, especially when we're in a real bind. Then we turn to prayer. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that most of us, we may pray, you know, uh, at some point. Most People that consider themselves Christian. But I, I, I was looking up some stats uh, from the Barna Research Group. I've kind of been doing that again lately. But uh, they, they found that 55% of Americans say they pray every day. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good percentage. And, of course, women are far more likely than men to pray every day. Women are at 64%, men at 46%. Women tend to be more spiritually inclined than men. But anyway, that's another sermon. And uh, Americans ages 65 and older are far more likely than adults under 30 to say they pray. 65% of those adults 65 and older pray compared to 41% of those 30 and under. And so overall, though, I would say that most Americans, most most people would say that yeah prayer's important and I would definitely think that anybody that says I'm a Christian would say prayer's important but the question is why do our actions not back up our beliefs and our words on this topic uh and, and there's just no doubt about it a pastor that I listen to pastor Willie George has a church of about 20,000 people he said he's doing good if he can get 100 people to show up to a prayer meeting <laughs> but everybody you say it's important right I mean, I could go to anybody in this room. Is prayer important? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. It's a foundation. You want to go to a prayer meeting tonight? Uh, well, uh, gosh, you know, man, something had come up and uh, I, what had happened. With, listen, you, you think it's important. You just don't want to make the time for it. I'm blaming myself. I'm blaming all of us. But the truth of the matter is, is a disciple will make prayer important. And I've used this example. In 2009, uh you know, uh, we had uh, some Christian bands contact us actually they somehow they contacted Chuck and he contacted me but but they said hey, we're going to be coming through Barstow in 3 days and we want to we need a facility for a concert. We got an extra day and and so we're talking about some of the biggest bands in Christian music at that time. With 3 days notice, no advertising at all. See that picture? That's over 2000 people crammed into this building right here. That's this building. Over 2,000 people came because there was a great concert with three days' notice. Because, hey, concerts are fun. It's a great thing. I mean, really had to do no work except, you know, set the place up. But I didn't have to beg and plead and, and put posters. And I, there was no time for it. But with very little time, you know, it was Cutlass, Disciples, Stellar Card, a bunch of big bands. I mean, just... I mean, out of the woodwork, people came to come hear music. And that's fine. Christian music is a wonderful, blessed thing. We all love it, don't we? But listen to me. I can. I would put $20,000 on the table right now to say this. If I were to advertise six months in advance, we're going to have the prayer meeting of the ages. June 1st, 2019. You, you got, you know, nine months, whatever to plan. The prayer meeting, I mean, it's gonna be an all-nighter. Every, it's gonna be great. We're gonna pray the fire down from heaven. Even the Holy Spirit Himself will be there. I can promise you now I could not get 2,000 people to show up. I I give you my word. I, I, in our church, uh, you know, I I would say, man, if I got 50 people to show up and I advertise for six months, I would consider that probably the successful, most successful thing I've ever done in my life. To get 50 people to show up to a prayer meeting. It's very hard to do. Yet, everybody will say it's important. Why is that? I mean, hey, I'll admit most of my Christian life, I'd rather go to a Christian concert, or, you know, than show up to a prayer meeting. I've been guilty, too. We all say it's important and we all want it to work in our hour of need. But most Christians, if you were to be honest with yourself and and, and you know, and, and just quit trying to be holy, be honest for a minute. If you were to really tell the truth. You have not taken prayer seriously, and neither have I. We've, none of us have put, uh, prayer at the level that it needs to be. Well, I want to show you how Jesus felt about it. Uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Let's flip over there. So who could say that maybe there's perchance, just a slight chance, you could improve your prayer life? Perhaps just, I mean, you know, maybe you've arrived, but, but I, maybe there's a little something you could learn about prayer, a little something you could do a little bit better. And, and I believe that if we would really take prayer seriously, we would start seeing some of these things that, that you hear about from the Bible. People getting healed, casting devils out. I mean, miracles taking place. And we hear them to some extent, but I believe that God would like to do things on a much bigger and greater level than we've allowed him to. But, hey, we don't ever talk to him like we should. Just in a, in a last-minute, last-ditch effort sometimes, we'll throw it out there. But Luke chapter 11, this is actually uh, Jesus' disciples coming up to him. Very interesting. Luke 11, verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Well, as I'm going to show you in a little bit, that Jesus prayed all the time, so the disciples were very familiar with how important prayer was. They realized like, yeah, Jesus, He's obsessed with prayer, He takes it very seriously, yet they needed taught to pray. And notice they didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They straight up teach us to pray. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it'd be one thing like, I don't even know how to pray, so I just don't do it. These guys knew how to pray. And most of us know how to pray. But we should say the same thing. Lord, just teach me to do it. Teach me to pray. And these are people that were with Jesus 24-7 for three years. And they said, Lord, hey, teach us to actually pray. And so... It is my firm belief that if the 12 disciples struggled with having a consistent prayer time, there's a chance that some of us in here today are not that consistent in our prayer life. And you will never, ever be what Jesus called you to be if you cannot be a consistent person of prayer. And so I'd say, like most Christians, the disciples knew prayer was important. They just didn't really have the desire to pray unless they needed something. And I would, I would establish that that's where most Christians that I know are at. They don't really want to sit around and pray unless they actually need something. Unless they need bailed out of something, unless they're just in a bad spot. But why is that? Because it actually takes some effort. It takes some sacrifice. I don't often just feel Like sitting around spending my day in prayer. I mean, it's not some great passionate desire that just, man, you know what? I I just, I want to pray all day. And it would be great if it was, but there are days that I do things like that. And I'm telling you, it's a sacrifice. I have to crucify my flesh to make it happen. But that's something that disciples are willing to do. They are willing to crucify the flesh. They're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to make themselves do things that they do not want to do in order to be the Christian that they're supposed to be. And, you know, I think about our military, our Marines and our soldiers. And, and, and I'm telling you, man, those guys are absolutely incredible. But they've had to do a lot of things they didn't feel like doing in order to become something great. And Jesus' disciples... There are things that you don't feel like doing. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I wish some of us would resurrect from the bed and get to church on Sundays. You know what I mean? Seriously. Now, listen to me. There are things that you don't feel like doing, but Jesus said, I'm going to need you to do that. I'm going to need you to. Yeah, I know you feel like playing Xbox right now. I'm going to need you to step away from that and come spend some time with me and pray. Now, somebody that's just, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I, nah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to. That's fine. You have that choice. That is your option. But don't expect to go out raising the dead and seeing miracles and preaching to the masses when you can't even, you know, sacrifice five, ten minutes of your time to go pray. And we're all guilty. Hey, I'm feeling the conviction, man. I'm feeling the heat from my own sermon coming at me. Listen to me. We need To be people that take prayer seriously. But the absolute fact of the matter is that most Christians, they don't take it seriously unless they really, really need something. Now, judge yourself for a minute. I don't want to do it. You do it. Judge yourself for a minute. How would you rate your prayer life on a scale of, say, one to ten? Do you spend more than three minutes per day in prayer? Five minutes? Ten? Now, how many minutes do you spend with your, your phone? Well, I know the average person spends four and a half hours a day on their smartphone. And then we spend, I don't know what, three, maybe three minutes in prayer. <laughs> come on. And we wonder why, I mean, there's not revival sweeping the land. Why there's not. Come on. It's something that we have got to take seriously. I mean, most people spend—I don't—I don't know how good at math Katie Brady is. I know it's probably what 200 times the amount of time that you spend on your phone that you do in prayer. I mean, that's absolute insanity. But listen, that's well, not to condemn us. It's to say let's let's do it, man. Let's step up. Let's be the disciples. Let's say Jesus. I admit it. I'm not doing any good at praying. Teach me to pray. And if we could get some people with that attitude, I believe Jesus could change this part of the world. I believe Jesus could do something in Barso. I believe Jesus could do something in your life. But prayer—it shouldn't be your last-ditch effort. You know, you've heard my story—the two old, two old Christian guys out there in the boat, and they—they get a leak in it, and they're—they're they're trying everything to plug it, and and nothing's working. And so finally, one guy says, "Do you think we should pray?" And the other says, Has it come to that? Prayer was there. I mean, like everything else fell. I mean, we're finally here at the point of having to pray. That shouldn't be. That should be the first thing you turn to. Prayer shouldn't be. Has it come to that? Are we really that bad off that we're going to have to actually pray now? No. Prayer should be our first resort. And so the first thing I said is that most Christians don't really take prayer seriously, if we were to be honest. And the second thing I'm going to say is Jesus takes prayer very seriously. Jesus, I mean, he almost had an obsession with prayer. He prayed all the time, all night long. He went, I mean, let me just show you a few things here. Luke chapter 5, let's turn over there. Luke chapter 5, but I believe that we are called to be people of prayer. And not just for the things that we want and need. That's nice. And you're allowed to pray for those. That's good. But you should have more on your heart than just praying for you to get a new Xbox, a new card, a new job. I mean, and you, hey, whatever. But listen to me. You should have a little more on your heart than that if you're a disciple. You should be wanting to pray for some other people. You should be wanting to to see Jesus do good things in your church. You should be wanting to pray for people that you know that are having a hard time, right? Anyway, Luke chapter five, verse 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. It doesn't even say he occasionally it says Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And so Jesus, he had to have some time alone. And I'm telling you, it's it's a good thing for a Christian. It's not selfish to say, hey, I just need a little time out for a minute. I need to be alone and pray. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Jesus did it all the time. He often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke 6, 12. Let's throw that over there. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke 6, verse 12. Jesus had a very active prayer life. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. My gosh, he spent an entire night In prayer. That is incredible. That Jesus, he didn't sleep that night. He prayed to God from, I mean, all night long. Jesus was in prayer to God. Let's flip flip over to Mark chapter 1. And as we're flipping there, why would Jesus need to spend that much time in prayer? He's Jesus. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. Why would Jesus need himself need to spend that much time in prayer well the truth is is that obviously jesus was in this earth living as a human being and jesus recognized the importance of having an open window of communication to heaven while you're on this earth jesus wasn't in heaven at that time he was on the earth like you are he was in a flesh and blood body He was I mean, he was like you. He he came down here to become one of us so he could actually die, because if he was just a spirit, spirits don't die. Hebrews chapter four explains this, that only by becoming a human being could he actually experience death and only by dying could he save us from our sins. And so Jesus was down here as a human being. So it's easy to say, of course, he stayed up all night and prayed. He need sleep. He was Jesus. He did too need sleep. Think about it. When he was on the boat with the disciples and the storm came, he slept through that thing. Jesus was a human being. He needed sleep at that point. Now we know in heaven, he never slumbers nor sleeps. But down here on earth, he was breathing air. He was eating. He was being a human being. And so it was a sacrifice for Jesus to stay up all night in prayer. But he realized that he had to have constant communication with heaven and so mark 1 verse 35 it says before daybreak the next morning jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray now i'm just showing i've just picked a few verses here to show you there's many more but i just picked a few verses to show you that jesus took prayer seriously he'd either just stay up all night praying or he'd get up before everybody else and go out and pray before the day even broke so listen to me Jesus, if, if if Jesus found it necessary for his success to be a person of prayer, I don't think you're going to be successful if you don't pray. I don't think that you're going to accomplish the will of God in your life. I don't think that you're going to do everything the Lord needs from you. I don't think you're going to walk in the promises and blessings that God fully has for you if you're not a person of prayer. If Jesus himself needed prayer, I think that you and me and we we need to be people of prayer and so jesus understood that you've got to have an open dialogue with heaven and yes it takes discipline but i can promise you that if you'll take the time and discipline yourself to be a person of prayer when you're not in a desperate situation you're going to find that it's a whole lot easier to hear clearly from heaven Because I know some people, you know, the Lord never speaks to me. Well, you wouldn't know if he did anyway. You probably don't know what his voice sounds like. You never talk to him. You're never in communication with heaven. You've got to get familiar with having a conversation with God before God probably talks to you every day and you just have no idea. You think it's something else. You think you ate a bad burrito or something. And uh, listen to me. God's talking to you. You just don't know how to hear it. You don't know how to listen because you don't have open communication with heaven. But I promise you that people of prayer, they hear God clearly all the time. And I know some people, they're like, well, that guy, he hears, he hears the Lord, and I'm just jealous. God talks to him. God wants to talk to you the exact same way. But you just don't ever talk to him. You've got to become a person of prayer if you're going to fully walk in all that God has for you. And I can tell you this it does not take a rocket scientist, it does not take somebody that's brilliant to realize that the more you communicate and spend time with somebody, the better you get to know them. Is that a breaking revelation? Anybody in here? The more time you spend with somebody, the more you get, the more you talk to them and listen to them, the better you get to know them. And that's why for some people, some people are like, oh, I just, I have no idea what Jesus would do in this situation. I, I don't know what the will of God is. There's a hundred dollar bill laying here and it's not mine, but wow, I don't know what God would do right now. If you spend time with God, it's not that hard to realize in most situations. If you really know God that well, and you've taken the time, there's not a whole lot of situations that you just have to rack your brain over. What would Jesus do? What would he do? You know, because you know him. And most situations, I can tell you, I mean, Katie and I, we've taken the time to get to know each other. Most situations, I'm not going to... Be so brave as to say every situation. But most situations, I can tell you what her will is, what she would say if she were here. I, can, I mean, I don't have to say, what would be her will in this? What would she? Because I've taken the time to get to know her. And you, you know, you husbands and wives are the same way. You can pretty much finish each other's sentences most of the time. You know what they want. You realize that no matter how cold you are in the house, the thermostat will never be what your spouse wants it to be. It's impossible. It is a scientific fact. It is impossible, people, for a husband and a wife to be the same temperature at any point in time. It'll never happen. Never. It's not going to happen. But I can tell you, it took effort to get to, you know, it took some discipline and some effort. But I wanted to. I just wanted to get to know everything about her. And so I've shared, man, that, you know, when we were dating in high school, we got married at 19. We had just turned 19 that same week. Her birthday's three days before mine, and then we got married a few days after that. So anyway, uh, that's that's us. But but I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to know everything about her. We went to separate schools. There was no texting when we were in high school. None. I didn't own a cell phone. This was around 2003. Old, 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 old. Old people, old people. But but we had this thing where we had these uh, landline phones, if you know what those are, landline. You, you <laughs> Apparently a wire, a cable actually came into the house. Yeah, it was crazy. I don't know. Read about it. It's, Google it. It's, it's insane. But, but we had these things called landline phones, and I wasn't allowed to talk to her after 10 o'clock at night, lest her father, who was a very strong and well-armed man, got angry at me. He's, he enjoys his weapons. And so I figured I'd better just respect that lest he come and, you know, lay the smack down on me. I don't, I don't want to do that. So, uh, so I went to, we went to separate schools. I'm, I'm just trying to show you that it takes effort to get to know somebody, but when you want to do it, you will do it. And so, uh, and so I, I, I got off work, or I got out of school, I went to basketball practice, then I worked at a fried chicken restaurant, which Jesse, Thank you. Best fried chicken in the world. And so I fried chicken all night. I got off at about nine forty and I would rush home as fast as I could so I could have five minutes to get to talk to her before her dad came in, her dad, and, and you know, and shut the whole thing down. And so I put effort in, I raced, I worked extra hard, I did everything I could. But then I am blessed, I guess I would say, with having a little sister and by blessed I use that term very loosely and in, in, in this in this story but she's a blessing hopefully she's listening to this but but back then you see for our internet we had this stuff called dial up you couldn't be on the phone while somebody was on the internet at the same time anybody remember this anybody remember the noise it would make that noise when you picked the phone up and so my sister who had been at school with her friends all day. We had two lines, one for the internet, one for the speaking on the telephone. My sister would be using both lines, literally chatting on AOL and speaking to the same person on the phone at the same time that she had been at school with all day long. And so I'd get home Anne. Can I have five minutes to speak to the love of my life? <laughs> she's every, you have no idea. She's everything. She is my heart and my soul. I love her to the moon and back, man. She's everything! And she'd say no. She would say no! And, and both phone lines are now tangled up and I can't, and she's, just, she's talking to the same person she's typing to. How do you do that? But she did it. And I found ways by being bigger and stronger than her to muscle her out. And anyway, I, I, I made a way to get to know the one that I love. Now, a lot of people, I just don't have time right now to spend with the Lord. You, you have time to spend time with those that you want to spend time with. You will find a way when you are desperately madly in love, you'll make it happen. You'll move heaven and earth. You will, you will do whatever it takes to be with the one that you love. How much effort do we spend trying to get to know Jesus, trying to Spend time in prayer, and then, and then we sit there, I don't, I just, I have no idea what the Lord wants me to do in this situation. Well, if you, if you knew what He sounded like, if you spent time with Him, you would know. It is not that difficult when you are a person of prayer. Things get a whole lot easier. And so let's look at John chapter 17. John 17. And this is called the Prayer of Jesus. This is a, I mean, beautiful. Beautiful chapter of the Bible, John chapter 17. And this is we get to have a sneak peek at one of Jesus prayer sessions, because I've wondered, like you prayed all night long. What did you talk about? What could I mean? you, You every day you were doing this stuff. What could you possibly, Jesus, have to talk about for that long all the time? Well, here's one thing. That we have a sneak peek into a little glimpse. This is John 17. This is called the Prayer of Jesus, and it's beautiful. I've, I've just—I'm going to cherry pick a couple of verses out of here because we're not going to read the whole thing. But I remember the first time I read this, and I mean, I, it about brought me to tears. And I'm—I'm I'm not a man that really cries that often. It's okay if you are. It's just not—I don't cry very much. And so here we are, and I'm reading this, and I'm about—I'm about to weep. Like, man, my gosh, Jesus, this is beautiful. How much that you love us. Because what did he talk about all the time? Mainly you. Mainly me. Jesus was interceding, praying all night long for us. John chapter 17. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. We'll, We'll throw these here. John chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus is talking to God. He says, now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. He's praying for you. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. And so Jesus is saying, when I was here on earth, I I personally protected these guys. I'm going to you. I'm going to please protect them. Keep them safe. Jesus is praying all this stuff for his disciples. Verse 14, he says, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. So if people are hating you for being a Christian, you're doing something right. I've said it and I'll say it again. Second Timothy chapter three tells us that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If your Christianity doesn't offend or make anybody mad, you're probably doing it wrong. And I don't I don't intentionally go out and offend people. I don't intentionally go out and try to make people mad. But there are just some things that simply by being a real Christian, it's going to make people mad. It's going to happen. What? You don't believe like us. We you're awful. You're a hater. Well, hey, call me what you want to call me. I really don't care. But listen to me. If you're, if the world just absolutely loves you, you're doing it wrong. In fact, John put it this way in 1 John. He said, friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God. Something to think about. But anyway, Jesus said the world hates them because they don't belong to the world. The world can't control us. And the world, this evil generation, they want to control you and tell you how to think, believe, feel, Every step they want to control it and they will hate you if you say no, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I don't care if everybody else is. No, they'll hate you because you don't belong to them. And so Jesus said the world hates them because they don't belong to the world just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy, holy by your truth, teach them your word, which is truth. And so Jesus said, I'm not asking you to take them out. I'm asking you to protect them and keep them safe. Look at verse 20. I'm just cherry picking, just picking out some, some few random verses. Verse 20. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in the truth. Or who will believe in me through their message. And so sometimes people read that. Well, yeah, but he's praying about the 12 disciples. No, he wasn't. He said he wasn't just only praying for these disciples, but for all. But for anybody ever who would believe through their message. And so that definitely includes us in 2018. Jesus was praying for you. Now I'm going to show you one final verse out of this chapter that is almost difficult to accept and believe. But it's the absolute truth. Verse 23. Verse 23. He says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Did you know that God doesn't love Jesus any more than he loves you? Whoa. God, the father loves you just as much. As he loves his only begotten son, Jesus. And some are like, I would never say that. How dare you? Jesus said it. And not only did he say it, he prayed that you would understand that and accept it. He prayed that you would someday realize. And when you get a revelation of the love of God, when you truly are grounded in that reality, that God really, really, really loves you, that'll change your life. God loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus. And Jesus wants you to know it. That's powerful right there. But I'm telling you, Jesus took prayer very seriously. And the third thing I'm going to say today is this, is that a disciple's prayers produce incredible results. A disciple's prayer produces incredible results. So as a disciple of Jesus... You should be seeing things happen when you pray. Now, I realize sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it takes a while. But there should be some incredible results coming out of our prayers. James chapter 5, verse 16. Let's flip down there. James five sixteen. Is anybody getting at least a little bit built up where you want to, I mean, give God a little bit of prayer time each day? James chapter 5, verse 16. We're talking about being disciples. We're raising up disciples Our goal is not to get people to just say a prayer of salvation. Our goal is not to just get how many people we can get to repeat after me. Our goal is to make disciples. I'm not satisfied with just getting somebody to say a prayer. I need people. I want people to become disciples and experience what the Lord really has for them. All that God has in store for them. You know, Psalm 139 says that before you were born, every day of your life was planned out. God has a plan for every single day. Well, then why does all this bad stuff happen? Well, it probably wasn't his plan. His plan was for this to happen. But, you you know, we went this way. And so, yeah, that did happen. The, the, the fact is that, yes, this bad day did happen. But I'll bet God had a different plan. And we somewhere along the way just didn't go with that plan. But I'm not going to accuse him of screwing my life up. James 5:16 New King James says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much Ooh that's good the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much so does it say the half-hearted, when he has time, half-baked, lukewarm prayer of a carnal man avails much, man. The incredible prayer. Great things are happening down there with that group. No. Of course it doesn't. He says the fervent. Well, I mean, what's fervent? Is that I, fervent doesn't mean lukewarm. Fervent doesn't mean part-time. Fervent means serious, radical, dedicated, hardcore prayer. Those prayers of a righteous man, not of a, you know, an unholy, uh, you know, sinner. It's talking about a righteous man and everybody in here. If you've received Jesus, you're righteous. You are righteous. Everybody in this room, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now righteous. It's not because of your good works. It's because of how incredible the love of God is and his grace You're righteous. Second Corinthians chapter five says that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So don't ever sit there and think that you're being humble. Well, I'm not righteous. Then you're not saved. But if you're saved, you're righteous. False humility drives me up the wall. I hate that stuff when people try to sound humble, Well, I just don't ask God for any more than what I need. Selfish. You're only asking God to provide your needs. Selfish pig. Why don't you ask for some more so you can help somebody else out? I asked God to pour all the blessings on me that he can so I can go feed poor people so I can give candy to kids so I can go support missionaries. No, 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 brother. No, no, no. I don't want to be selfish. I only want to ask God only for me. Uh, no more than that. I don't want to be selfish. You're selfish. You need to be asking God, get a, get a, get as much as you can to me because, you know, I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to go feed some people. I'm going to go send some missionaries out. But false humility, it's sick and it's wrong. So don't do that. You are righteous if you're a Christian. You are a righteous person. It says, the fervent prayer of a righteous person, it avails much. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to look at the exact same verse in the New Living Translation. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Who likes it when your prayers have great power and produce wonderful results? Or does anybody like the weak ones that don't get anything done? Who's who's, who is in favor of those? Come on. No. Okay. I like it when our prayers have great power and produce wonderful results. And so we're talking about being a person of prayer, just like Jesus called his disciples to be. And I think today you should have this attitude. You should have this prayer. Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me to do it, Lord. I mean, you can figure out all the hows and whys and the deeper theology at some point, but you've got to start somewhere and say, Lord, just teach me to do it. Teach me to pray. And I think about people that have powerful prayers. You know, Charles Finney uh, was an incredible preacher in the 1800s. I mean, one of my role models. I love Charles Finney I never met him though because he died about 100 years before I was born but anyway he's incredible in the 1800s he won over 500,000 people to the Lord no TV no social media no internet nothing I'm talking now we hear that today and like I can I can reach that with one YouTube video in like five seconds yeah you can try in the 1800s to personally lead over 500,000 people to Jesus and he also had a program for discipling people, not just getting them to repeat a prayer. But what was the secret to his success? Finney was obsessed with prayer. Before he would go to any town and do a revival, he sent people well in advance to pray, pray, pray around the clock. When he went to Rochester, New York, in the, I think it was the 1850s, the meeting was so powerful that pretty much the entire city gave their lives to Jesus. Every saloon and brothel in the entire city permanently shut down not they didn't just take a time out well we better stop till this revivals over nobody ever came back to them you know till I'm sure in our day and age there's better things there again but listen to me everything just shut permanently got shut down why is that prayer there's power in prayer why would we not take this stuff serious why would we not why would we not get into this man it has wonderful power produces results the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and so i was listening to a preacher i like named andrew womack about i guess 15 years ago his son kind of he got mixed in with the wrong crowd started doing some things he shouldn't do the boy overdosed on drugs and died and i'm not talking about you know we're just making this up he passed out no like they pronounced him dead he was in the morgue in the freezer with a sheet over him and a toe tag on him He had been dead for five hours because his dad, Andrew Womack, was several hours away in Colorado Springs. So he gets in his truck and he's driving there. He gets there like he's dead. You can go see his body if you want. He goes in there. And we're talking about somebody that actually talks to God on a regular basis, not just when he's in a real pickle. We're talking about he gets in there. His son, he's got the toe tag on the sheet over him and everything. The doctor said his heart stopped at this time. He goes in there, lays hands on him. The boy sits up and is totally raised from the dead, totally healed. And to this day, no no issues whatsoever, totally healed, serving the Lord, preaching the gospel, everything. But does that happen for people that, yeah, I mean, I pray for my food and uh, around the holidays, I usually say a prayer for the orphans and you're not a person of prayer. Let's just get real. You're probably not going to go out there and raise somebody from the dead. You would have no idea. I mean, you, you're not used to talking to heaven. You have no idea. But this happened. And one final story. I share this about twice. This is one of my favorite stories. So if you've heard it, you're getting ready to hear it again. But if you haven't heard it, you're getting ready to hear a great story. It's a good one. So I was reading USA Today. Uh, last. It was, this was last year, actually. Uh, USA Today newspaper. And they told this story about uh, this well, I'm just, I'll just read it to you. How's that sound? That way I don't say anything dumb. I'm just gonna read the story. Three 14 year olds fell through the ice of Lake St. Louis in Missouri. Not St. Louis, Lake St. Louis. It's a different lake. Anyway, on Martin Luther King Day of 2017. A rescue crew found one of the boys by shore, almost out of the water, and the second teen clinging to the ice. The third boy, John Smith is its actual name, was still under the water. By the time they pulled his body from the rocky bottom of the lake, the teen had been submerged for 15 minutes in the icy water and had no pulse. Fifteen minutes under an icy pond. Doesn't usually turn out so well. So to the hospital, emergency workers performed CPR on the boy to no effect. When they finally arrived, the attending physician, Dr. Kent Sutterer, had little hope for the boy's survival. He recalls, I remember his core body temperature was 88 degrees. If you know anything medically, that's not good. 88 degrees. And um, in my mind, this is a very grim, very poor chance of survival. The doctor and his team continued CPR on John for another 27 minutes with no response. And at that point, they decided to call John's mother into the room to give her the news. He had been dead for 45 minutes, says Dr. Sutterer. But then something completely unexpected happened. According to the doctor, when Joyce Smith, his mom, entered her son's room, she started praying loudly. Look out for a praying mom, folks. Look out for mama praying. So mama gets in there and starts praying. I don't remember what all I said, she recalls, but I remember saying, holy God, please send your Holy Spirit to save my son. I want my son save him in the name of Jesus. And then something happened. Apparently, at that moment, Smith's heart began beating again. And the doctors announced that he now had a pulse. They hadn't been getting a pulse for over 45 minutes. Mrs. Smith said, and all of a sudden I heard them saying, we got a pulse, we got a pulse. According to Dr. Sutterer, within a matter of a minute or two, his heart fired up and started beating again. And the doctors are having a hard time explaining exactly what happened. And he made, he, he has made a complete recovery within three days. He, ran, he walked out of the hospital. Zero brain damage, not a single thing, nothing whatsoever wrong with him. But my favorite part of this story is what doc, the doctor put on the actual medical report. He literally wrote this on his medical report. He wrote, his heart was jump-started by the Holy Spirit listening to the request of his praying mother. I mean, that's on the boys' medical report. I love that. But listen to me. That's because somebody takes prayer seriously. And we all want to see stuff like that. But if your prayer life consists of no more than one to two, three minutes a day, you're not a person of prayer. We need to be like those disciples and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to do this. We gotta get better. And so I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you in this room to start, whatever it takes, start becoming a person of prayer. we got Sunday night prayer from 5 to 5.30, and I promise you it's not that bad. I know people are like, oh my gosh, a prayer meeting, oh... I, nothing bad's gonna happen. I've never been in a prayer meeting where somebody got hurt. I've never been in one where people like, you know, somebody attacked you or made fun. Everyone I've been to, I mean, hey, it's not that bad. I challenge you to come out to prayer tonight. Five to five thirty. Thirty minutes. It is not that hard. It is not that bad. But you have gotta start somewhere. And you that are going through the discipleship program, hey, let's amp it up. Let's start praying this. Well, I don't know what to pray about. Well, pray in tongues. I don't care. Figure out, I mean, start praying, man. Get something rolling there. Get a dialogue between you and heaven and start getting something rolling, okay? But listen to me. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to become a person of prayer. And when you do, Barstow better look out when we get a church full of really truthfully praying people. We'll turn this place upside down and clean it up. But... This is for the disciples. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.